welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious, as it may be, episode of the Assembly Call as your Indiana Hoosiers go into double overtime to win against Northwestern 79-76, to 76, uh, resulting in Indiana going 11-8 to 8, uh, for the season and knotting the Big Ten season right now, 6-6. Six to six. Uh, IU had an abysmal start to the game. IU fans, all of us, I guess, picking up our phones, trying to scroll through social media, looking for something exciting other than the game to look at. Uh, but after a few threes from and some solid defense in the first half, uh, to shut down Northwestern to only two points in the last seven minutes of the first half, IU was within three, uh, but horrible offense uh, by IU in the first half, scoring 20 points in 20 minutes. Uh, more of the same in the second half to get things started off. Uh, at one point, IU is 12 made baskets on the game with 12 turnovers. Uh, then the first overtime, finally, we see Indiana play like what they can play, and it's kind of the Armand Franklin show, scoring nine of IU's 12 points and a little bit more of the same in the second overtime with a little bit of heroics, scary shots by Jerome Hunter. But a win, I guess, is a win. But we got to talk about the good and the bad here. I am your host, Chad Schwartzkopf, here with Ryan Phillips and Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts, a.k.a. Dog with a W. And we will be breaking down it all for you on this edition of Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start the show like we do uh, every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And uh, I marked this as my moment early on in the, in the second half uh, when I didn't feel like I would have much good to talk about in this post-game show, but I'm going to keep it as my moment because at the 14-minute uh, mark in the second half, IU was down by six, and we saw a little bit of the exciting future that we have for this IU program and a beautiful two-man game between Jordan Geronimo and uh, Anthony, or excuse me, Christian Lander, a little screen and roll and Lander, I don't know how, hooks it around 90 degrees to a Jordan Geronimo streaking to the basket uh, for a beautiful dunk. So a, a great thing to see these young guys get in there a little bit. Now, their minutes were brief after that, and we had the, the starters in there for a lot of, lot of the rest of the game. And I believe we'll talk about that. But uh, that's uh, your banner moment for me. And banner moment is today, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Now in their fourth season, sponsoring the assembly call with the frigid temperatures overtaking the entire country, you really shouldn't be wearing anything other than their super soft hoodies and crewnecks. So you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone, especially IU fans. And all of their apparel is printed on the softest, warmest, most comfortable, and most washable material you'll find anywhere. One of a few suggestions, the last item that I purchased was uh, the Reach shirt from the Penn State. Gave that to my dad as an early uh, Christmas present. Uh, and remember, it's not just IU gear. Homefield Apparel has apparel for more than 90 different colleges and universities with new ones being added all the time. And their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up like Coach buying shirts and hoodies for schools you've barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on your home field apparel order by using the promo code assembly 20 at checkout. It will give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. 
So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart and and enter assembly20 at checkout to get 20% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, now it's time to move the ball and find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of the team. Ryan, I can't imagine you have much to rant about on this game, but uh, let's sit really? back and enjoy this. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, you have uh, Look, I, I think that it's fair to say that Indiana has a problem with being ready to start games, and we saw that tonight. It took them five minutes and 35 seconds to score a basket. They had zero points for five minutes and 35 seconds. With 737 left, I marked this down. They were down 21 to 7 against, let's remember, Northwestern is arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. Nebraska's in there too, but Northwestern is arguably the worst defense. Indiana had seven points through the first 12 minutes and 23 seconds of the game. Uh, they were three of 18 from the field, one of six from three, zero of five from the free throw line, which we'll get into, and five turnovers. And it's just unacceptable to start that way. If you don't start that way and then you look at the rest of the game, this is a comfortable 13-point win, you know, or something like that. If you're just even even with Northwestern at that point, you wind up with about a 13-point win. And this is the kind of thing that it goes to coaching, and it goes to obviously the players need to need to get themselves ready or find a way to get ready, but it goes to coaching and leadership. You cannot come out flat on the road in the Big Ten and think to have a chance. If this isn't Northwestern, this is a 30-point loss. Northwestern is really bad. Hasn't won in like five weeks, six weeks, you know, and they played Indiana toe-to-toe for the entire game. You cannot, as a program, consistently do that and expect to win games in the Big Ten. And it was just, we've seen it consistently you know, especially as we've seen, they flashed that graphic coming into tonight, Indiana two of nine coming off beating ranked opponent and they should be two of 10. I mean, there's a lot of that game where it looks, they, they did not deserve to win the game for five sixths of that game and, and were able to pull it together late and hit some big shots and then wind up, you know, again, hitting an extra big shot in overtime. That was an off balanced long jumper from Al Durham and God bless you Al for doing that. But I mean, it's not like they were, they had a plan and executed it. They got a couple of big shots and that's why they were able to, to continue to make the game go along and then finally win it in the end. This has to be addressed. It just does. And, and, and you cannot consistently come out flat, unimpressive and, and just not focused and expect to consistently win games. And this is a game, by the way, this was a game where if you're Archie Miller, you got to tell them after Iowa, this is a game we have to win. The rest of our schedule is is brutal. We have to win this game. And they came out just kind of going through the motions on offense, launching long twos, you know, missing layups, not really intense. They played solid defense, but offensively, they were lost. And, and this cannot keep happening. It's a win. We'll talk about the good parts of the win, particularly what happened with Al Durham and, and Armand Franklin. But this has to be addressed off the top. This was not acceptable. It needs to be better because we've seen the same story over and over and over again in these games. They did it against Rutgers. They did it against Northwestern the first time. They did it at home against Purdue. Like You cannot just not be ready to play these games and play down to your competition every time, yet somehow take Wisconsin to double overtime, beat Iowa twice, play tough against Illinois. I mean, yeah, they fell apart down the stretch of those games. But when you have a team you should beat, you need to beat them. 
You cannot play like this. And it has to get better if this team wants to be in the NCAA tournament. It just has to be better. I agree. It, that's uh, Now we'll go to Chris, so Chris's corner. Um, teasing us with uh, pictures of better times of IU teams past, one of the best backgrounds. But uh, Chris, let us have it. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, a win's a win, but, you know, I saw Kent Sterling's you know, tweet this out and he says still in the game somehow, but IU basketball is almost impossible to watch. Never seen anything like this. And I have to agree because, you know, adding on to what Ryan says, when we come out and we don't set a tone early for how we want to play the game. And we start out with two, not bunnies, but two, two, you know, you go to your game plan, you, you dump it down low to trace you, you know, you go to him when they're not doubling down and he misses both shots and we we don't score a basket till the 1425 mark. You're setting the tone very early that you're not ready for this game. And, you know, whether you want to, you know, look too much into this about, you know, preparing for the game in Columbus on Saturday and worried about getting home in time for that. And, you know, Lynn Elmore kind of mentioned that whether you're overlooking this game or not, you know, there's been too many times this season where we are just coming out and it's just like, any other normal game. It's not something where, you know, we're building on a previous win. We're not building on a win sweeping Iowa. It's just a game and we come out and we're just, we know what the game plan is going to be. You know, Northwestern played us the exact same way they we played them at home where it, and it's the same thing every time with every team. We know they're going to double down on trace and we know that we have to find the open man on the three and we just didn't do it effectively. Now, granted, we got away with it, but it, it, it's the same stuff every game where we we have to get into these moments where we have to have guys make shots and we have to miraculously start hitting free throws when we can't hit anything to start the game. I think we were 0 for 4, 0 for 6 to start the game. And, you know, on the free throw thing, I just want to chime on this. You know, for our generation who was lucky enough to see guys like Damon Bailey play and Greg Graham play and Steve Offer play, guys who could hit free throws, you know, it is it is just so negative and it's just, it just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth seeing so many shots not drop but you know we got to get we got we got a really tough game on Saturday in Columbus uh I sure as hell hope we're ready for that because this hopefully is a wake-up call because this is a really bad nor uh, Northwestern team that obviously had a lot of emotion coming into this game tonight uh with their team and we were lucky to get out of there with a win and I'm just going to leave it as you know Thank goodness for Al and, and Armand who were who were ready to step up and do things when when Trace was not on his game and and other you know clearly Lander was not ready for this game indicative of his minutes but just a wild game but it's it was just not fun to watch and that's become the, the theme for too long now. I just want to point out real quick, uh, Indiana scored point six four five points per possession in in the first half and was two of eight from the free throw line, like. They cleaned up the free throws late because they had the only guys who can make the free throws late, and it was Franklin and Durham. Uh, but other than those two guys, I mean, those guys went 18 of 20 from the free throw line. So they went nine of 18 other than that. I mean, that's just you can't do that. I mean, Trace wants to go play in the NBA. He, he has to hit better than 66% of his free throws. You, you know, I mean, because he's not going to be a big guy. <laughs> who's seven feet and can get away with not shooting well from the free throw line. Uh, you know, I mean, Rob Finnessy hit too late and those were big, but he went over three during regulation. 
Like, and, 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 you know, missing the front end of a one and one when you're the point guard is just, it's not acceptable. You can't do that. And so Indiana dug its own grave in this game and, 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 and almost dug its own grave and was able to crawl out of it, you know, right at the end because Al Durham and, and, and Armand Franklin played out of their minds late. And you started to touch on something there, talking about Trace Jackson Davis. Another thing to get into points in the paint. We got beat by them 20 to 30. Now, this was a Northwestern team going into it that is not known or known, I should say, for not being very good defensively underneath. Now, I know they started a terrible to, defensive team. They yes. are a terrible defense. And I know they were double teaming, but the double teams weren't really coming until the second half. They weren't coming that strong with it. To say, to say the least, in the first half, there was a lot of moments where Race would receive the ball or Trace would receive the ball uh, a few a few feet off the block, not, not majorly, something that they've worked with before in the past, and they were looking to pass it out before they even tried to make a move themselves. And then in the second half, we found a little string with uh, playing quick, where we had Armand Franklin driving and dish it off to him, and then uh, Trace Jackson Davis went up quickly. Very next possession that we had, got to the ball to him quickly, and he made a move quickly to the basket. Then we kind of get away from that. What what did you guys see in our game? Did you see the guy scared? What do you think that's been that's contributing to that, Ryan? Well, I think part of it is they didn't have a plan for the double team that Trace could execute. I mean, you know, essentially what he was doing every time he got the ball and there was a double team, he just throw it right back out to the short side, which the double isn't coming from the short side. Like, you know, the, the closest side to him, it's not coming from there. It's coming from the opposite side. And you've got to be able as a big guy to stand up to that double team instead of dribbling out of it and, and, and slowly passing around. You've got to be able to skip past to the other side to the open guy. If it's and, and the way they should set it up is you put your best three point shooter over there or a good three point shooter. Indiana doesn't really have those have a ton of those, but that's where you put over there so that the guy can't double as hard because he's got to be able to get back to a shooter or they have a rotation going on. So you should be able to, as the big guy, skip the pass over to the other side and have a wide open guy for three. That's what you should have. Indiana didn't really do that very effectively today. Trace, as the double team would come, he'd start to dribble out towards the perimeter. The problem was there was a perimeter guy right there. So he's almost dribbling into the back of that defender and then would slowly pass it around the perimeter instead of making the direct pass that was open. And that's a dangerous pass. You know, if you're on the on the left block and you're throwing it to the right wing, I mean, that's a dangerous pass. You've got to go through the entire defense, but it should be open and it should be something that you aggressively attack. He just didn't, it didn't seem like he had the confidence today. And he's played out of a double team pretty well in the past. Did not do that well tonight. He really struggled. The only thing that, that Trace did in this game that was, uh, you know, above at his level was rebound. He had 14 rebounds and he was attacking the glass. He didn't finish well. The, uh, you know, he wasn't backing guys down and going through him one time in, in, um, I think it was regulation where he banged it. Was it overtime that he banged his knee? Yeah, it was overtime, right? Where he banged his yes. knee. Yep, overtime. Had, they were down two and they had a big chance to tie it up. And he sort of, and, and the play he got hurt on, he took the ball and wrote and spun right into the double team. And instead of at that point looking to get the ball to the open guy, he just kind of forced up a shot and that caused him to bang his knee. And the ball didn't even go anywhere near the rim. And it's, I just think that Trace was off in this one. I don't know if the start time affected him or what. I mean, no excuses. I don't think he played very well uh, on either end. I mean, he was, you know, I think he was, I think he was our worst. Was he our worst in the plus minus? No, second worst. He was, he was minus four for the game. I, I just didn't think he was very effective. And 
Uh, you know, he missed a lot of easy in, inside shots, interior shots, as Chris pointed out. I mean, as a whole, Indiana was eight of 16 on layups. You know, it's just, and Northwestern is not that good. These, this is a game he should dominate from start to finish, and it just didn't happen. So I think the double team affected him. And then it was almost when he caught the ball, there were a few times, as you mentioned, Chad, that he didn't get double team and he was just waiting for the double team to come. You know, the double team didn't come quickly. He caught the ball, waited, double team came, and then he tried to work out of it. And so, you know, especially with as much, as much, uh, as much foul trouble as they were in, in the post, you would expect him to just eat all day. He went to the foul line twice. and It was in very early in the game, missed both, both free throws. He didn't go again. And so that's just a bad game for trace. I mean, it is. And, and the effort was there. I just don't think the intensity and the focus was there. I would just add on. Yeah. I would just add on to this. This is to me, going back to the first Northwestern game, Ryan Young seems to have Trace's number on. I I don't know what it is, but you know, if we look at this situation, like you were saying, Ryan, you know, when they're, when they're spreading the floor and they're trying to give Trace that isolation where he can have the ball one-on-one, the ball to me just doesn't move quickly enough to find the open man every time nope. that double comes. And it's, it's the a same, slow it is so slow. And like you said, he waits for it and he initiates it, but Northwestern did a really good job. I thought collapsing back on the defenders that were on the perimeter. And to me, it's the same game plan that everybody has. And it's been this case ever since Archie's been here, you know, whether it was Jawan Morgan or trace Jackson Davis, when we have a good post player and we don't have reliable shooting outside, it is a one-dimensional game. Now, granted, you know, I'll hit big shots, Armand hit big shots, but it's still the same game plan. And when he they had to rescue to, us though, that it, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't come to that. Exactly. But again, it's one of those things where, you know, as slow as he is, and he doesn't have great footwork. And honestly, I thought he traveled like three different times. Ryan Young is a big body and has given Trace a lot of issues instead of going into the defender. I just don't. And this is like the third game where I've seen him do this, where he doesn't go into the defender to try to draw the foul. He just plays like a back off of it and tries to do some kind of flip shot and it just doesn't work. And I think, you know, and Northwestern was in a ton of foul trouble, especially toward the end. We could have really gotten them much more on the ropes in terms of foul trouble if we yep. had tried to initiate. But again, with a double team, there's only so much you can do. But like you said early on, I mean, those two first possessions to start the game, the same plan, double it down, dump it down quickly to trace. And you saw them try to do that when they inbounds it quickly. Archie was trying to rush him up the floor and trace was down in position and they would dump it down. And yet he would, he would have opportunities if it was one-on-one, but he wasn't converting them. And that still is something that is just infuriating is his inability to finish around the rim so many times. Well, and, and I think that one of the ways to negate that double a little bit is to do an entry feed from the top of the key. You know, that, and, and so you, so the defender has to pick which one from which side is going to come in. And you also cut down the distance on that secondary pass for Trace out of the double team because he's in the middle of the floor as opposed to on one side with his back to his intended target. And the way to do that is to have your point guard be able to make that entry pass. I think Christian Lander can make that entry pass. The other guys struggle with it. And, and so when the, the best way to do it, and you got to be careful so you don't get a three second call is for, trace to somehow get screened in and have his back to the basket in the middle of the key right there, throw it into him and let him work from there. And then when the double team comes, you put your best shooters on the, on the wing on either side, bring Anthony Leal in. If you need to put arm on there, put Al there and get it to be open that way. And they didn't really do that a whole lot, especially not late. They were, you know, and there were concerns about making that pass over the defender, trying to get around him in, in a close game. 
but something you've got to do something to negate that double team, or at least make it more difficult on the defense. Cause it was not difficult all well, night for Northwestern to do that. Jerome Hunter and race didn't help him in that too. There was at least two, three, maybe even four times that I saw where once he got the ball, they were out and gave him space. And then they would run back into the block, trying to get to the opposite side for the pass out. But in doing that, they brought their man back in and were able to double so much quicker and, and get into that action. So We'll get into more of this game coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's win over Northwestern. I'm going to point out some meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Max. We could have used some of your aggressiveness down there through that double team and everything. You're listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Chad Schwartzkopf here with Ryan Phillips and IU Artifacts, and we're breaking down Indiana's win against Northwestern. Uh, it's time for today's meaningful moments that you might have missed. Uh, for me, uh, one of the meaningful moments, at least in the abysmal first half, uh, while we couldn't get stuff going on in the paint, uh, the perimeter game, at least shots wise, got a little good about the seven minute mark, minute mark. IU was down seven to 21. Things were looking very scary at that point. Um, and in this play it got a little bit scarier where uh, Trey Galloway, lost the ball trying to make a drive on baseline, somehow gains control of the ball back, swings it around to Armand Franklin, and then eventually gets to Al in the corner and makes a a corner three. Then following the media timeout after that play, uh, we get get in there and Armand Franklin gets another three that brings IU within eight. So there's kind of moments there where the three-point shooting really helps the team kind of get out of uh, a little bit of trouble uh, that we ran into uh, any moments that you guys saw that you want to point out some maybe positives. Uh, it may not be one you might've missed, but Jerome Hunter's step back three that came out of nowhere was uh, pretty impressive there late. Um, I think that especially with what he's gone through the last few weeks uh, or a week and a half, I guess it is, or something like that with 15 seconds to make a step back three, to make it a four point game. Uh, that was that he showed some, some rather large stones to make that shot, especially because he recognized the shot clock. And there are some times where I don't know if Jerome knows what arena he's in. And he not only, you know, knew where he was on the floor, he backed out. He had a bigger guy on him. He wasn't going to make his turnaround jumper that he makes there and recognized it and backed out on the floor. And, you know, took a three confidently and, and nailed it. And I, you know, I got to give Jerome credit 
in this one. And it's the fact that he gave meaningful minutes and, and especially when, when trace banged his knee and they needed to put him in there in overtime, he didn't embarrass himself. He went in there, made two free throws after he drove in and almost had a really great dunk that, you know, he got fouled on, but you know, seven points, five rebounds, all of those rebounds were big. He's going to make his Jerome mistakes from now for, for every now and then. But I thought that he was uh, a really big part of winning this game, especially in the two overtimes and, <laughs> and that step back three, essentially ended the game. I mean, because it, it stretched the lead to four and meant that the, even if they hit a three, they were going to have to foul. And when you've got Franklin and Durham hitting their free throws, that essentially ends the game. Yeah, and I actually, it, even before overtime, I had a note where when Jerome Hunter comes in, there are moments where he can create his own shot, and we needed that in this game. But then you, he loses his man, on, and his man makes a, the three on the other corner. So I... I had even made the question like we need his offense, but what about when he does these types of things? How do you weigh that kind of trade off with it with a player like Jerome Hunter? It's tough. I mean, we we came on the positive. It's it's like the pool, which which side's going to be filled a little bit more. And I yeah. think we got the good pool was filled a little bit higher in this game. Um, but it's, he the it's new, a, he's the new Troy Williams, the good, good Troy, bad Troy. It is. It, it It is. And it's yeah, exactly what Troy did. And and even recently. Uh, with green as well. Those shots like that, that step back shot when it was going into the air, I was going, no, no, no. Yes. It's, it's always those types of plays. Uh, Chris, what did you see in the game that we might've missed? I just think it does, you know, I've, I think the, the recovery of the foul shooting is so critical. I think, because if you look at, we still miss what 10 or 11 foul shots, but down the stretch, you have a senior that goes four for four in the, in the second overtime. And that's critical. And that's what you expect. And, and you know, despite the adversity, despite, you know, I'm, I've been watching what some of the, the people in the chat have been saying, you know, the fact that it is an ugly win. It is a, a, a win is a win. But they did come back from adversity. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They fought through playing a team that really they should have handled in, in earlier in the game and, and more effectively. But you know, you could you could argue that at the end of that second half, that how bad they played, they played, but came and battled back. The fact that they they fought through an early three point play by Nance in the first overtime that really set the tone for that first overtime. And I honestly thought when that went down, I thought the game was over when he hit that that he converted that three point play. But they can they came back and they overcame the adversity and they figured out how to hit shots and a guy like Hunter, you've already mentioned, whose defensive liability remains a huge problem, but can come in and hit those shots in those moments when it's absolutely needed. But I think just the whole ability to come back and fight through just an abysmal first half uh, is you got to give him kudos for it, no matter how ugly it was. Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning if, if we're, we're throwing out meaningful moments here is IU with two sixteen left uh, trailed, 54-47, and Al Durham scored the last seven points of regulation. Uh, he had he missed a free throw, made a second, made two free throws, made two free throws, and then hit that right-handed sort of runner jumper to finish it. I mean, I think that with the overtime and everything, it gets lost that he made big shots down the stretch. He made a couple big shots and made five of six free throws to help them. And, and uh, you know, I just think that that can't be sort of emphasized enough is he scored the last seven points of regulation in the last two minutes and, and put them in overtime and, and his game as a whole, I think that's probably what we should go on and talk about next is just 
he had a, a, a career high tonight out of nowhere after a really bad game, you know, after a couple of performances that weren't that great, 24 points, uh, you know, two turnovers, two assists, two rebounds in 40 minutes at three steals, three of five from three and 11 of 12 from the free throw line. You don't win that game without Al Durham. And, and he saved Indiana twice. He also had the big shot at the end of the first overtime. That was a, you know, again, not a shot, a shot that he caught it. And you're like, Oh no. And he just, he nailed it. And it was, you know, had a foot on the three point line, but I don't think any of us are going to be upset about that. And uh, you know, just a huge game from a senior captain. Yeah, the kind of games from the guards and and the and the senior leaders and or the veteran leaders that we've been asking for all year. And he stepped up and did it. And um, you know, he also when the offense would break down, he'd go hunting for foul calls. And and I know sometimes when Al drives and uh is looking for fouls instead of looking to finish, it it the, the results aren't great because he doesn't get rewarded. He got rewarded today and and he kept attacking and and that's something that just wasn't happening from other people. Yeah, I think it's 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 when he plays within his game. He didn't force anything. He played the game that he can play. He didn't try to overly do anything um, and uh, get himself off off kilter. He he played more of that shooting guard supporting role that he needs to play moving forward. Um, and it, it it's great to see. It's great to see. I mean, uh, the the other kind of I guess this this could kind of lead us into start talking about our numbers and everything. Obviously there's a lot of, of bad numbers and everything. A very interesting stat that I saw uh as well in a 50 minute game that we played there, um IU led for for under 2 minutes and and comes out with the game. That kind of will will tell you a lot. And then obviously doesn't shock me having watched the game doesn't shock me at all. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, know? yeah. But if you go back and look at the stats, I guess. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you, the numbers are are actually not bad for Indiana. If you look at the the number, I mean, they shot 35%, which is not what you want, but 71% of the free throw line is higher than they shoot on the season. Not great at all by any stretch, but better than they shoot on the season. Uh, 33% from three, which again, not great, but given the way the game started, they wound up sort of evening that out with some big shots late from, from Allen and Armand Franklin. But the big one for me is they out-rebounded Northwestern 50 to 38. I mean, that was huge. Um, especially I believe the second half was even more, uh, pronounced, but you know, it's, it, it was, it was even in the first half that I, I believe the beginning of the game, that's what really kind of kept a minute and not it being a 20 point, uh, deficit at, at one point. Um, yeah, but, they don't rebound him 17 to 10 in the second half. So I, I just feel like there was much more aggressive work on the defensive end in the second half, even though both teams had better offense in the second half. I feel like Indiana just was working a little bit harder than they did in the beginning. And I know there's a weird start time. And I know that that, that will certainly be part of the talking point of this game. But as the game went on, Indiana got better in a lot of areas and particularly turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over and over in either of the overtime periods. And they had seven, I think it was seven in the first half and six in the second half. And then didn't turn it over in overtime. And magically they didn't turn it over and the offense was better. So I, I think that it's easy to sort of understand, uh, you know, where the problems are and how to get rid of them. Well, and, and we turned them over a lot more in the second half, and that led to uh, fast break points were 20 to 8 uh, Indiana's favor. We, we were able to play a lot faster in the second half, and especially in overtimes, and that was a determining factor as well for us. Uh, any stats for you, Chris, that stand out in this game that we haven't talked about? 
Yeah, I think Ryan mentioned the, the no turnovers in the overtime periods is huge. I mean, if you think about just some of these abysmal, abysmal passes we saw, you know, players leaving their feet, trying to drive the baseline, the, the, the patented Yogi Ferrell pass behind the defender that was just not working with Trey and Armand. Uh, the fact that they would come out and play relatively flawless basketball in those overtime periods is pretty remarkable. But I, I, I you know, we kind of piggybacked a lot about on Al, but, you know, we should expect this comeback and bounce back from a really bad Iowa game for Al to come out and score 24 points, but be 11 of 12 from the free throw line. And he down the stretch, and we've seen this in other games this year, you know, where he makes him his, his living on the foul line in many cases when, when it's needed. And he's just, it's it's one of those things that uh, it's it's I'm just glad he, he could he could come back from a game as bad as Iowa. But I'm going to I'm going to focus in on those turnovers because it, we looked like a really bad team in the late second half to early or the late part of the first half to early second half where we were just kind of all over the place. We were not taking care of the ball. We were passing it. You know, Armand was trying to pass it to the, the narrowest margin on some of those some of those dump downs when he would drive oh. and penetrate. I audibly, just, I audibly yelled when he tried to throw between the defenders. Oh, it, it, the it, post. trying to what he saw. I didn't know where what he was going with that, it, it, and clearly he was trying to create something out of nothing. But I'll give credit where credits due, just because of, of the ability to play unflawed basketball for the most point when it mattered. And I think that's we have to give credit where credits due to this team to be able to to erase a really bad start to the game and, and finish out strong in general. Yeah, I think also you got to give Armand credit for hitting a couple big shots late, just like you have to give it to Durham. I, I think that he had a big three late. Um, he was sort of creating things when nobody else was. And then he hit a three in overtime as well. That was huge and, well, and made. And in the first overtime, Armand did seven of eight from the free throw line. Like, you know, right. it's it's like. And Armand Staggered. shot has not looked like himself since that ankle injury when right. he re-aggravated. It, it just, He's over-rotating kind of a little because of his ankle. Yeah, know? and he wasn't getting himself set and underneath his shot. And I thought that – I think I thought it finally looked more like normal. And I think he's – hopefully on the men, I know the ankle thing is going to be something he's going to have to deal with the rest of the season. But I thought – To some degree, yeah, looked, for sure. Yeah, definitely looked more comfortable, you know – he was just shot. moving better, I he think, was. you know, and, it's, he was. and especially on offense. Because here's the thing. He's moved well on defense, even with the ankle injury. It's like he locks in on that end and it doesn't bother him. Then on offense where you have to be like burst and be He was quick, cutting well. I thought he yeah, was cutting and, really and well. Definitely much better. And here's here's some, here's a, you know, to finish out the numbers thought is two of eight from the free throw line in the first half, 10 of 14 in the second half, which is 71%, 71.4%. In overtime, 15 of 16. Like, I mean, they locked in. And the reason why it's 15 of 16 is the three guys who shot him were Durham Franklin and then Finnessy made the two he shot in overtime. So you look at that and you think, guys, we can do this. Like you can hit for your in big moments. You're capable of hitting free throws. Please do it the rest of the game, because if you make your free throws in this game, it's an easy win. And, and you're you're they're hitting those threes and in. in th- 30, 40 plus minutes that they've already played. So legs yeah. would be tired. Arms would be tired, but they're nailing them at that point. So it's usually a time where you don't expect them to go in, but they went in uh, the conundrum. That is the, this IU team. So another storyline we, we kind of brushed over uh, quickly, but um, Christian Lander only plays 14 minutes in this game is scoreless. Um, he's kind of been on the uptick recently. Uh, in, in his in his play and everything, he struggled a little bit in this game. He created some good moments, 
Um, I think in the first half he came in and kind of uh, created a, a few opportunities when Rob wasn't able to get going in the first half. But um, where do you think he fell in this game, Chris? What did what did you see from him? What did you lack from him? What are your thoughts on Christian for this game? You know, he comes in right after the under sixteen timeout, as expected. And I think him, he, he and Leo kind of came in together. Um, I honestly expected him to play more, but I, I don't know if it was just the you know the matchup situations. But you know, I think people are too fixated on his shot. One thing, and I know his shot is you know he had two air balls against Iowa, and he had an air ball here tonight. But to me, he looks so poised at the point guard. He's going to make mistakes, but he glides with the ball. He does things with the ball. His movement with the ball, his comfort level holding the ball is something that I don't think any other of our ball handlers, ball handlers truly have. I don't think Rob has ever had that. I don't think Al has ever had that. And I don't think Armand has that natural tendency to just do things with the ball. And it's going to take time. But like you said, Chad, that dump down to Geronimo – Sosa's ability to, you know, to penetrate and dish. And I think it's improving tremendously. And I think the one thing we've seen is if we had a full preseason with a guy like Lander, who should be a senior in high school, what would that have done to his confidence getting to Big Ten play? Because really, you know, he's in a unique situation this year. And there's a lot of others. I get it. There's other guys like this that are freshmen that are playing a few preseason games and then thrown right into conference play in the toughest conference in, in the country I think it's still going to be something where it's going to be a development. And, and I, you know, the only, the only thing I will say, and I'm going back again with Lander, but I was really irritated, but I've, I've come to expect this with, with Archie, that he's not going to change things when he starts the same group in the second half as he does in the first half. You know, I didn't understand why Leal and Lander didn't play to start the second half against Iowa. And I'm not saying that they needed to do that then, but I just, it, it's something that bothers me if I want to get off my chest, but I think with Lander, it's going to continue to be a progression. I think once we get into March, it could be something where he could really have a couple breakout games. I don't know if that's going to be scoring, but I think it's going to be managing the game, and I think it's going to be his ability to pass, and it's just going to come with more confidence, but I think he's going to have to see the floor more. It just wasn't in the cards tonight because you had Al and Armand playing really well consistently the whole game. Yeah, and and look with Lander, I, I know why he didn't play as much tonight, and it was pretty obvious. I, I think that first of all, he struggled defensively, and I think it was just a step back game. And again, he's a freshman, and he's too he's young for a freshman. He's going to have these games where he plays really well and showed a lot against Iowa, and then takes a massive step back. And 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 I don't think he was bad. I just think he wasn't good. And and look, there are just decisions he makes that are high school decisions. And that's what you expect out of a freshman. It's not to knock him. That's just who he is. You know, there was a there was a shot he took where he was 25 feet away. And it was almost like, well, I'm open. Well, of course you're open. You're 25 feet away from the basket. And when you shoot the ball, your feet don't point at the basket. Like it's, you know, they're not going to guard you out there. You might make that, but you're not going to make that consistently. If they if you make that, they're going to be like, all right, tip the cap. You made it. Try it again. See what happens. You know, and and it's. So I do think the shot is an issue only from the fact that he needs to make better decisions with it. You know, I, I like his shot isn't going to get fixed until the off season. And, and, and I, I talked about it in the scouting report for him. I like his release. I like the rotation he gets on the shot, but when he takes it, his feet are not facing the basket. And so it's an all arm shot. So you can make that, but it's going to be, it's going to come very rarely. The first, the, and, and by the way, the closer you are to the basket, the more likely you are to make it the further away you are the less likely you are to make it. Um, so I would say that it, it, 
the decisions were the problem. And, you know, he had a couple turnovers. He drove into crowds and, and turned the ball over a few times. He had one where he drove in and then spun around to throw it to Leo without looking if Leo was there and threw it right out of bounds. And Leo was actually open a few feet over. And it's, I think it's just a matter of like him needing to slow down a little bit. But you love the instincts, and you're right, Chris. He glides around the court. He has instincts to spin off of something and find somebody. He has an instinct to, to you know, of a point guard to distribute well and to keep the offense flowing and moving and not just standing still for five seconds while you think about what to do next. He has those right instincts. I just think that in a game like this that you had to win, it wasn't the time for him to maybe work through those issues. I think it was, okay, we need, we need to get the guys in here who can win this because... I think that he was really struggling. I think Archie identified that he was struggling and he was, he was struggling on the defensive end too. It wasn't just the offensive decision-making. He was struggling on, on the the defensive end a little bit too. He kept jumping a little bit back when guys would do a jab step drive and leave them wide open. Then he close out and they drive by him, you know I mean? And that's again, a veteran move on a young guy. You're not mad at him for that, but at the same time, it's, if you're trying to win the game, you can only have so much of that. I mean, he was my, he was minus seven when he was in there. Northwestern did a good job to put him in bad positions. Well, and here's the thing we have to remember about, about Lander is that he can make those passes when he was in high school because he was going against subpar defenders. And the one thing in the Big Ten is exactly. that the, guard, the def- defensive guards are the best in the country. All right, the on-ball defenders and guards, and you can look at them, you know, doesn't matter who the team is. You're going to have an extremely good on-ball defender that is going to run circles around you if you're not used to that. And that's something that he's still getting used to. And I think that's one of the things that is kind of a reality check for a 17-year-old kid who, again, you know, made this step and has the ability and definitely has the tools, but it's still going to be a learning process because he should be a senior in high school. And that's the one thing I think is going to be uh, – it's going to be – it's a trial and error thing for him. Yeah, I think Christian is definitely going to – he's going to age like a fine wine for us. I mean, he's, he's a guy, as we saw in the one play, like uh, Ryan mentioned – he turned around and wanted to pass it without looking to Leal, but Leal took a step over and that was a turnover. Well, and that's what shooters do to find the angles, you know, yeah. and so you got to be ready for that. Now in high school, that guy has an assigned spot where he's supposed to be in the offense, but Leal drifted a little bit to get himself some room. And, you know, so I, I think that with, with you know, time, with time and playing together, yeah, he'll get better. They'll get better. And then we'll know each other. They'll know when he's looking to do, to do those types of plays, then they won't move for him, but it's going to get better as we go along. So, Coming up on the assembly call, we will hand out the game ball and hit any other lingering storylines. Look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. Then it'll be time for last call. That's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call, IU Post Game Show. 
Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for the free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Chad Schwartzkopf here with Ryan Phillips and IU Artifacts, and we are breaking down Indiana's win against Northwestern. Uh, it's now time, guys, to do our game balls. Uh, let's go around the horn. Uh, Ryan, give it to us first. Who you got? It's Al Durham for the career high. I mean, you could give it to Armand Franklin's certainly too for the defense he played and the big shots he hit, but it's got to be Al Durham. I, I just thought that he hit the, you know, without him, you're not even in the, in overtime. He hit the the shot at the end of regulation. Then he hit the shot at the end of the first overtime. I think that you have to give it to him and then the hustle award. You can, you can move to, to the next guy. Yeah, I would, I would agree with Ryan with Al Durham. My big thing is the free throws down the stretch. As a senior, you take care of business with that 11 to 12. I mean, that's that's your job is to go in and hit free throws. And Al has pretty been he's been pretty automatic from the free throw line. Probably one of the only major reliable guys from the foul line we've had in his four years. But um, he did a lot tonight. Uh, a lot of things that may not have been on the stat sheet, but uh, a, ro- a really solid game and a really good bounce back uh, from that Iowa game. And just hoping that it'll continue uh, on Saturday. Yep. No need to vote here. Obviously, it's Al. Um, so we'll give it to him there. That is the second game ball for Al. Uh, seven for Trace, three for Rob, three for Armand, and three for Race. So it's time next to go to the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award. And we now have a sponsor, guys, if you didn't know that, for the Hustle Award. It's presented by Evansville Security Services. In basketball, good defense requires your help to be in the right place at the right time. Well, the same principles apply to life too, especially when it comes to protecting your business and your loved ones. This is where Evansville Security Services steps in, like Race Thompson providing timely defensive help from the weak side. Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana, and you can choose between uniformed and non-uniformed officers. In addition to providing services to businesses, Evansville Security Services works with individuals as well. You can hire an officer as a personal bodyguard to accompany when you when traveling, something Ted Valentine should consider if he's ever gallivanting down Kirkwood, or for a safeguard for your family at home. Evansville Security Services also provides supportive staff for funeral processions, giving your family the feeling of safety and security on a di- during a difficult day. And you can count on the folks at ESS to conduct themselves in a professional manner at all times. And all of their off-duty officers are equipped with the industry's best equipment. And here's the best part. With an off-duty cop on the job, your security officer won't have to waste time calling 911 and then wait. They're already police. So go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com or call 812-214-1132. Remember, prevention cannot be measured. Let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. So for the Hustle Award, Chris, I'll hit you first. Who gets your Hustle Award? I got to go with Armand Franklin. Um, just, I, I think, you know, we kind of talked about this. He just looked so much more comfortable on the floor. Uh, I thought that 
his defense overall was really solid. I thought he hit, you know, some really timely threes to get. And I, you know, I, I, I just think that his ability to be much more in tune with the game was huge today. And I think that his, you know, his health is hopefully on the, on the men's, but I just thought that overall uh, he was, he, he was a huge asset obviously with Al, but I don't want to give Al both of them, but uh, I have to go with Armand on this one just because I think his overall play was extremely well. And I think it's, you know, he's, he made me our most valuable asset on the floor in many cases. I think that, you know, especially when Trace is not having a great game, we we put so much weight on 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 Armand to, to step into it. And I just think that he played a great game. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I'm giving it to Armand as well. I think that, you know, he hit big shots late. He was focused the whole time. He led the team in minutes, if you're giving it to the Hustle Award. 44 minutes out there on a bum ankle. Yeah, you're going to win it even if even if you don't play well. Um, but I thought that the 23 points, he rebounded really well off the jump. He had five, I think, in the first half. Um and he finished with five, but he had five in the first half. Uh, he did have four turnovers, but he was also playing incredible defense, had four steals to go along with it. So each of those turnovers, he kind of made back on the other end. Um, plus nine led the team. And, and so I got to give it to, to Armand. I thought that just gutting that out was uh, was pretty incredible. Yeah, it uh, goes Armand for me as well. And there was a moment in the first half when we were down uh, 13 to 21 and he hits a th- creates his own shot and hits a three pointer and the cameraman luckily stays on him while he's uh, while he's going to the sideline and he is fired up and he's yelling and he's screaming and he's saying, come on, let's go guys. So that chimes in there as well with that Mike Roberts hustle award where I see that emotion come from him uh, on a team that a lot of the other guards are, are a little bit less um, emotional, I should say uh, when you see him out there, but uh he, he does a good job of, uh, of, of staying strong and, and he's giving that effort and that hustle hundred percent each game. So that brings him to uh, four uh, of these hustle awards. He's the leader with race at two, Franklin, Galloway, Leal, Hunter, Jerome, and Lander all have one there as well. Uh, time for any lingering storylines, anything else from this game that you guys would like to uh, hit up any, any comments, topics, well, it's a huge win heading into Ohio State, who's on fire right now. Ohio State's won eight of nine, and you're going to Columbus. I mean, they won five in a row and eight of nine, and the one loss was to Purdue by two, I think. Um, so it's, you know, you're going on the road in the Big Ten. It's never easy to win there. And this Northwestern game was the easiest game left on the schedule. And so you had to win it because after Ohio State, you've got Minnesota, who occasionally shows up and wins games. Then you've got Michigan State, which – Michigan State's problem is not talent. Michigan State's problem is the guard play. So, you know, it's going to be tough to, to beat them. Then you go at Rutgers, who's playing well right now, face Michigan, and then you're at Purdue to close the season. Those were all tough games, all of them. And so beating Northwestern was a priority. I mean, you had to do it. Uh, it's going to be a tough stretch to make the tournament, and you had to win this game. You couldn't take a quad two loss here at this point of the season. The and last the quad two game. Yeah, it's so you had to win that game, and and so that's that's the overriding theme for me is that this had to be a win. You know, no matter how bad they played, they they pulled it out. They won. A win is a win in the Big Ten. Now you got to clean up all the issues, but at least you got the win. You know, and at least you went out and fought and and give the guys credit. I mean, this team all year, and I've said it all year, they play hard. It's just not they don't always play smart. 
I mean, these guys give effort. There's no questioning the fact that they all give effort. It's just not always smart effort. They got to get smarter and they got to get better at, at, at sort of competing in a way that pushes you to win. I mean, you can have effort all you want, but if you don't harness that effort to po- in a positive way, then, then you can struggle. So the fact that they were able late to put this together and win, hopefully they build some momentum off of it. Uh, we'll see. They've had trouble building momentum over the last couple of years after wins. And so I think Andy Bottom said uh, they hadn't won three in a row since December of 2019. Well, they won two in a row now. Maybe you go win that third finally, but well, statistically, statistic, they weren't a ranked team. Northwestern wasn't. So statistically, we're better uh, when we go off wins against uh, unranked teams. So hopefully that'll be a, a positive going into it. Um, so yeah, looking, looking ahead then to, uh, Ohio state, uh, quick turnaround, kind of, uh, a little rough for the guys probably traveling home this evening. This game goes late and then, uh, turn around for a Sunday, 12 o'clock noon game. I believe Andy has the, uh, wake up Ryan task for that game. I'm um, out of that game actually. Yeah, there we go. So, um, Ohio State's doing pretty well. Um, their veteran guys are kind of stepping up for them right now. I believe it's Young on their on one of their big guys that's doing very well. Chris, do you have anything you can say on on Ohio State and what IU needs to do going, moving forward with that game? You know, the matchup's going to be interesting because they don't have tremendous size when they start. I mean, EJ Liddell's the, the, the one that worries me because he's a big body, but he's not – I mean, race is going to have the height advantage there. But my big concern – when we play against really talented forwards is the quick foul situation. And, you know, and actually I believe, you know, if race can play smart in that game and we can keep him out of foul trouble and we can get some shooting going, which is obviously what we want. It's the obvious, but I think that, I think the foul situation on, on, on that, I think it's, I don't know. Is are we, is it Saturday? I thought it was Saturday. It is Saturday. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you, that EJ Liddell matchup is going to be interesting uh, to see who they put, if they put race on him or trace, because I think if our bigs get in foul trouble on that one, I mean, it's going to be tough because they can shoot the ball. They're very athletic. They can run in transition. They can do everything. And we know that they've been, you know, really the hottest team in the conference in many regards. And so I think, you know, if we can somehow, and we've not had a really good track record at Ohio State of late. If we can somehow get away with a win there, I think the next two at home are very winnable. I, I think, like Ryan said, Michigan State's just kind of like in disarray. But, you know, it, who knows what's going to happen there. And like if Minnesota wants, you know, if they if they come ready to play and, and you know, we – I, I don't know. It's it, And that's the beauty of the Big Ten is that every, every game is winnable from either team. It's just such one of those seasons that has been of late. But – I wouldn't be surprised one bit if we, you know, I'd like to see us go three and zero, but I think two and one over the next three games is very doable. Um, but I, we got to be ready to play in a quick turnaround on Saturday, and it's really going to come down to the matchups and and staying out of foul trouble for Race and Trace against their bigs that are not huge in size but are very athletic and very talented. Yep. Uh, so you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use promo code, code assembly20 at checkout to get 20% off your offer. Okay, guys, we kind of did a little bit there, but let's uh, wrap it up now here. What is your uh, final thoughts for this game? Uh, Ryan, I'll give you the first say. Yeah, it was ugly. It was, I mean, it was, it was really, really ugly. And, and for about, you know, as I said, about five-sixths of that game, Indiana deserved to lose. 
and Al, Al Durham rescued him late in the first half or, or late in the second half. And then Armand Franklin and Al rescued them in, in, in overtime. And you can't be getting rescued against bad teams. You know, a win is a win. You feel good about, about coming away with a win that you had to have at the same time, you have to clean up the issues that put you in that position and you have to be better. And, and quite frankly, that first half was unacceptable and they need to be better than that first half. And, and so I would just say that there's, you feel, you know, you take a big exhale after the win, but at the same time, there's gotta be a lot of work done to improve the issues that have repeatedly popped up for this team. And, and in, not just this team in this program. And over the last couple of years, starting slowly is not a recipe to win games in the big 10, especially on the road. You got a road game in Columbus on Saturday. You cannot start slowly again. It's just, it's not going to work. You're not going to win. So you come away with a win here. You feel happy that you got the win. You feel much better about your tournament status, winning that game over losing it. At the same time, you still got a lot of work to do and they need to really get to work. All right, Chris, your final thoughts. Yeah. You know, hearing some of the comments coming into this game about the time change and hearing Archie, you know, happy with the fact that they were going to be coming in early in the morning uh, in preparation for the Ohio state game kind of made me concerned because it's one of those situations where you could instantly overlook your opponent. And I think early on, like, like we did in the first game, we underestimated them, their ability to hit some open shots. But like Ryan said, it's a, it's a team that's not good. And it proved that with the shots not going down and their inability to guard because they fouled out the wazoo, just absolutely crazy how many fouls they had, but um, it's a win, you know, and I, you know, Trace had a bad game. There's no denying that, but Armand and Al stepped up and played the way they should be playing the way that we're expecting them to play. They hit shots. They made plays. They had defense. I thought the defense overall was really solid. So that was good to see from, you know, for the overall game, but it was a good win that we needed to have. I think I couldn't imagine because I was on the show last time against the Northwestern game when we lost, I couldn't imagine going to this game with a loss and having to suffer through that. Not that I don't enjoy your company guys, but it would have been interesting, but I think it would have put the whole perspective of Saturday on into a whole new perspective. But I I think we need to come out and play aggressive Saturday. I think if we come out flat, like Ryan said, we're going to get into this hole again where we're constantly trying to battle back. And if the shots aren't falling, which they were from time to time tonight, even though our offensive numbers were still abysmal, it's just going to be a bad situation because it's a much better team than Northwestern. So I'm hoping we come out with some fire and some tenacity and we set the tone early. Yep. I agree. Hey, it's a win. Let's move on. We'll get it going from here. And that'll do it guys for us on this edition of the assembly call IU post game show. If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And don't forget to go to assembly.call or assemblycall.com and text IU to or text IU to 66866 to join the free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener, Bob Thompson, who produced the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. And we'll be back to talk IU hoops again Thursday night, tomorrow night. Until then. Keep your elbows and eyes on the rim and go through Thank everybody for coming out. It was fun, some would say. I am cranky. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. 
Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Five. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.